Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today I'm excited to talk to James Hanna about his latest work because the night. Welcome, James. Welcome. To, uh, thanks, Dan. I'm not welcoming you anywhere. You were here already. Well, that's uh, thanks, okay. Dan. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. We're both welcomed. How's that? <laughs> that that's perfect. So before the recording, I asked James if he would read a passage from something before because the night and the short story is called somewhere outside of salvation. It's part of a grifter song. Will you read a passage for us? I'd love to. The sudden boom surprised Sam and Rachel, and they both came up off the bed in a snap, pure instinct and adrenaline. It could have been the report of a shotgun or an, or an explosion. Neither would have been new ground for them. Sam took the pistol off the table and went to the window pulling back the curtains and blinds. What the heck was that, Arjun said. Overhead, thick gray clouds clotted the sky. They hung low and looked angry. Sam could almost smell the petrichor already. Looks like rain, he said. I love that. I know when I read this, I thought to myself, James Hanna is definitely on my radar. Um, There is something about when an author is able to make me feel the atmosphere, and I really felt the atmosphere in that. And the the entire short story is fantastic. If anyone hasn't read it, it's part of a Grifter's Song series. There are 35 installments, and yours is one of them. I also love the title, um, Somewhere Outside of Salvation, because it... um, So how'd you come up with that title? So that was... um... When I started writing this, so uh, the, the the backstory on this was I was a big fan of this series. It's created by uh, Frank Zafiro. And I had met him uh, the previous year. Well, no, I had met him earlier in the year. I'd met him earlier in the year uh, out at Left Coast Crime in Albuquerque. And I told him I was a big fan of the series. And if he, I know uh, the, the way the series worked was he brought in writers for each installment, each mm-hmm. episode. And so, and he had brought in, you know, just these incredible writers, Holly West and uh, Hillary Davidson and uh, S.A. Cosby, Eric Pruitt, just, it was uh, uh, Gary Phillips. It was just a plethora of great writers. And I was like, I re- would really be interested to, uh, to write one if you have space anywhere. And he goes, sure, you want one? <laughs> and then I was like, um, yeah, sure. He goes, Okay, we'll put you in there. And he's like, if you if you wanted to write one, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you reach out to me and let me know? And I was like, because I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> um, and so then it came down to the point of where I actually have to sit down and write this because that was that realization of, oh, shit, I've actually committed to write this. <laughs> and again... So many great writers, Frank himself, wonderful writer. He really created these great characters, Sam and Rachel, this great premise where they're con artists on the run from the Philadelphia Mafia. And what I didn't want to do, what you never want to do when you play with someone else's toys are tear up their toys. You know, you Mm -hmm. want to be respectful of the creation. But Frank, 
again, great guy. He's like, you know, very, you know, he had a set of rules. And then he said, but otherwise make it your own. And so nice. I've always written about Appalachia. Uh, all of my books take place in West Virginia. I write about uh, Southern West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky. I've always wanted to play in the field of kind of Southern Gothic a little bit. Some Fl Flannery O'Connor, some Harry Cruz, things of that nature. And I really kind of wanted to toy with that a little bit. And it came down to the day where I had to send Frank in my, uh, my outline. And I was like, I don't know what this thing's about. <laughs> and so I literally wrote the entire outline in about an hour and a half, two hours, sent it to him and realized because the, uh, the premise of it involves uh, some religious fanaticism, you know, for the kids, um, salvation, because Kentucky, uh, West Virginia, it everything takes place in West Virginia and West Virginia, you know, towns have just great names. And um, I thought, you know, here's let's let's put it in a town, you know, called Salvation, and really lay on the 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 religious, you know, themes of which is not it's not when I say religious themes, it's definitely we're definitely playing again with religion, you know, the nature of religious fanaticism um, and and the toxicity of it. So, but I wanted to go all the way in. <laughs> and you did indeed. I'm sure I Frank was not disappointed. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was really, he's, he, you know, told me later on how much, you know, he enjoyed the installment and that made me really happy because again, there had been so many great writers, you know, before that Paul Garth had written an extraordinary one. Uh, and then, you know, you had Curtis Apolito write in the same season as I did. Um, he wrote actually the one, the penultimate one right before the final final episode so yeah it was just you know the blast getting to 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 write in that and and play outside of what i was normally right used to writing for the reader too it was a really nice change up because we get to fall in love with the characters sam and rachel but then we get to see them in different situations and handled by different authors and how those authors handle those. I will say that I felt like yours was probably what I would call the most electric, electrifying. I mean, it had, it sizzled and popped from the first page to the last page with I, that. I appreciate that so much, Dan. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, thank you. Cause it was wonderful to read. And now let's talk about because the night, and Henry Malone is making his sixth appearance. Is that correct? This would be Because the Night. That's uh, the sixth book in my Henry Malone series. Uh, it's the first one since uh, Behind the Wall of Sleep. Uh, and that one, uh, that one won uh, Seamus for Best Paperback Original back in 2019. Nice. And um, this was this. So this is the first one since since 2019. Well, I would say Henry is definitely in the graduate school of hard knocks. He doesn't really get much of a pass, does he? No, Henry routinely <laughs> gets his ass handed to him like he's at the Wendy's drive-thru. Uh, he is just, <laughs> he is just, I, I grew up loving PI novels as a kid. I, you know, I very much, you know, you know, from Chandler and, and then various McDonald's. Uh, Hammett, obviously, all of the pulp guys, Race Williams, the guys like that, John John Daly Carroll, um, all the way through 
the uh, you know like the the Shell Scott books from the '60s, and then like you know when you had uh, Parker and Pranzini and uh, Sharon uh, McCone, not Sharon McCone, that's the 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 character. I'm uh, Marsha Muller. Uh, Sarah Paretsky, Sue Grafton, you had these amazing writers kind of reinventing the genre, kind of reinvigorating it. That was very much my my fuel uh, when I read uh, in my uh, in my early teens. And I always wanted to play in that genre. And so I but I always lived, like I said, I'd always had lived in eastern Kentucky and southern West Virginia. And I didn't know how to write like a big city P.I. novel. And so what I just decided to do was say the hell with that. And I'm putting a PI in Southern West Virginia. And I decided, you know, very much again, to be truthful to kind of like the, the tropes and the expectations, which is Henry's a former West Virginia state trooper. He had to retire after a really terrible injury. Um, he's a recovering alcoholic. He's uh, divorced. He has a difficult, a loving but difficult relationship with his father. Um, you know, like any good Disney character, his mother was horribly murdered, um, and he uh, had a finger and and some white supremacists cut a finger off in the first book. So uh, he's obviously the person most well equipped. To handle with the terrible situation he's actually not well equipped at all but he is the most stubborn and henry's that guy who just kind of plows his way through he does and i think that's one of the things that makes him endearing too because it really doesn't matter how many times that he gets knocked down he gets back up one way or another whether it's with you know his friends or on his own but he just he simply isn't going to take no for an answer and i like that i mean i I think really, if you go into that type of work, you really got to be a bit like a pull, uh, pit bull because you can't just, you're not going to be a cocker spaniel in the PI world. You've really got to be able to get in there and fight for an answer because that's what someone has hired you to do is find out an answer for them. Exactly, exactly. And, and, but, but also what I really wanted to do with, with Henry was, uh, again, you know, I was a big fan of like, Robert Parker and the Spencer novels. And I never have, I've never wanted Henry to be the smartest person in the room. You know, like I've, I've always said, if Henry is the smartest person in a room, get the hell out of that room. Something <laughs> terrible is going to happen. And so it was really always, it's, it's always been important to me that, that Henry's not the smartest person there. He's not the toughest person. Um, but I wanted him to have that, that tenacity. Um, well, he does have a girlfriend in the book, but then I think he has two male friends that really are so much more like a wife than the girlfriend is. So talk about Jackie and what happens with Jackie in this particular book. So I will say before you get to that, the barbs back and forth between Henry and Jackie are really, I felt like you'd seen in part of my life because I'm a <laughs> smart ass. So <laughs> I'm like, I, all of my friends will tell you it's rare that they ever end the conversation. I have to have one more comment. And I really do feel like Henry and I might be a little bit kin in that <laughs> relationship, <laughs> but I love that back and forth between he and Jackie is 
fears. So uh, his his friend Jackie Hall is uh, is what I would say is probably the last the last state trooper in the state of West Virginia who will still talk to Henry uh, because Henry left under kind of he, he was con when he when he left he was kind of considered a jinx and so uh, he's still very good friends with 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 Jackie and Jackie is very much Jackie's moved up in the ranks Jackie's kind of become the the the, the cop that maybe at one time Henry would have considered being. Um, and it's not just that. Henry also is married. Henry has children. Henry has the stability that because, uh, I'm sorry, Jackie has the stability, uh, the, the ch you know, the wife, children, all of these things that Henry doesn't have, that maybe Henry could have had if he had been able to keep himself clean, to, to, you know, stay sober and to, to kind of been a more play by the rules kind of guy. And so he has that, uh, you know, and it's never really stated, but you know, he has a bit of jealousy probably mm -hmm. for Jackie. Um, and even though Henry's life has improved since the first book, there's still that acknowledgement that, you know, he could have gone down a different road, but he and Jackie have remained friends. Uh, the, the, the book starts out with uh, Henry running for sheriff of Parker County, and he becomes involved uh, with uh, someone asking to help find uh, a missing boyfriend. And that happens to over, uh, overlay with a homicide investigation of Jackie's. When Jackie and Henry uh, kind of come together for questioning, there's a gunfight and Jackie's nearly murdered. Jackie's nearly, nearly killed. And then from, and this is not a massive spoiler, but the, the book really kind of becomes from that point on a, a, a chase book and a revenge book because <laughs> Henry is very determined to find the person who nearly killed Jackie. You set up in that, you set up, obviously we see the sniping, the back and forth, the the friendship, the camaraderie. And then we also see really the the whole buddy thing of it. As you say, you know, it's, it's one of those things that Henry is hell bent on uh, finding out who did it and getting justice. And, and that makes their friendship even much more special because it's not just the frivolous back and forth on the surface they really are good friends and it 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 sets up as you say a whole deck of cards falling so it's um it's an amazing thing so also now on the opposite end of jackie and henry is henry and woody so give us a little flavor of who woody is so uh woody is henry's aa sponsor <laughs> <laughs> and in any other book woody would probably be the hero uh, Woody's like the mysterious, he's, he goes back to, you know, that, uh, the paradigm that Parker established with Hawk, um, or, uh, Walter Mosley did with Mouse, mm -hmm. uh, which is, uh, and, uh, my friend S.A. Cosby uses the term, the benevolent sociopath. <laughs> and, 
it's the guy who it's the person who can come in and do the wet work who can do the nasty stuff who'll mm-hmm. you know beat the shit out of somebody you know who who's not afraid to get their hands dirty so you can still root for the main character and he also sorry i want to interrupt you say he also brings the right weapons that are needed for the situation and that was something that's very interesting to read yeah um because he's got this big lockbox in the back of his <laughs> in the back of his jeep uh jimmy rigged that uh, dear God, help anyone who might be trying to get into that and doesn't know how to. <laughs> um, and 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 Woody is not afraid. And I described Woody in one of the earlier books as uh, making uh, Sam Elliott look like a boy band member. So <laughs> you know, I mean, he is grizzled beyond belief, um, and he's also not afraid. You know, he's not afraid to use violence. He's not afraid to hurt someone. He's not afraid to kill someone. Um, but he's also very much a conscience for Henry. Um, you've, done, you've done something as a writer there that I think is a little, at least maybe, it, it, he is a conscious. I mean, that a conscience. That's one of the things that he does. He picks up. Henry time after time and he picks him up not in a judgmental way he picks him up in a way of sort of like almost as a master and student where he's like okay let's go again you know if you're going to AA that's what you want for a sponsor so what you've done is you've taken you know a duality here but uh, Woody is always looking out for Henry so you sort of feel like he's got Henry's back which I think Henry gets into enough trouble that he needs someone to have his back. He does. And, and, and again, you know, that, that was always very much kind of the idea that I wanted with, with Woody was to make him kind of like a vaguely, a, a vaguely sociopathic Jiminy cricket, you know, um, <laughs> you know, the guy who, you know, because, and because very much, and I always say that the that the Malone books are very much also a, a Pinocchio story of of Henry doing the work to become a real boy, so to speak, you know, to become a better person. And so, what I'm really trying to do with the books, what I really ultimately want to do with the books, is chart that growth. You know, to keep Henry a constantly changing, constantly evolving character the way that any person would, especially after through the light of all of uh, the violence he's seen, all the change that he, he, he experiences, none of that exists in a vacuum. So he has to be able to, to respond to that. And the books have to be able to respond to that. And so I keep wanting with every with each new book to kind of push a little bit further and and show that um and you know i hope you know as you know the the i i don't know how the books will end but it'll be with henry having reached at an ultimate and final point that's cool do you are others well i know what every author would like them to keep going, but it, will there be a seventh one? Do you know yet? I don't know yet. So I'd really, I, I, I really want to uh, continue writing about Henry 
because Henry is very much just he's he's very much part of my 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 subconscious. Um, uh, people, uh, friends of mine have, who have read the books uh, will come up to me and they'll be like, oh, I really, I, I enjoyed your book. Man, Henry, he's an asshole. He reminds me of you. <laughs> well, you're not getting a book dedicated to you then. Um, but Henry's voice, Henry's voice is really easy for me to fall into because it's very much kind of my own free, you know, you know, train of thought. Um, I very much want to keep writing the books. I'm working on some standalone projects right now, though. And because I kind of also, so I, I wrote the first five books fairly quickly. They all came out within the course of like four years. Okay. Wow. And then I had, uh, I had a big gap of time uh, between the fifth and sixth book. Because I was, again, because I wanted that next Henry story to feel organic, to feel right. And I struggled finding that organic story. Mm -hmm. So I have ideas for a seventh book. Um, but I also know that I can't rush that book either. Because these next couple of books, the, the next couple of books will be fairly significant and meaningful for Henry. I think they have to be at this point. I mean, of course, this is me saying it because my opinion doesn't really matter. But, you know, if if Henry is going to grow, he can't just stumble through everything because he has to find a point to grow to. And he he may not have that goal, but it, it has to sort of step up his story and where he's going with that. One thing you mentioned earlier is they're all set in West Virginia, which is something I'm very appreciative of. I love reading Los Angeles and New York based PI books and police books. Those are interesting to me, but I do realize that we don't just live in those two cities. There are people all across the country doing the same work. They get into slightly different situations, which I, I think sometimes uh, West Virginia, North Carolina, and Iowa, I think we might even have more options than, say, we might have in the big city. So I, it makes it gritty, and it makes it interesting for me to read. It's, uh, you really have, you know, I always say that there's, I, I started writing these books at the exact perfect time. I'm very fortunate that I got to start writing these books, uh, and that they coincided with kind of an influx here in the last several years of uh, of really great rural crime fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, S.A. Cosby, Eli Craner, uh, Megan Lucas, Kelly J. Ford. Um, you're seeing uh, a lot of uh, female writers. You're seeing writers of color. You're seeing a, a, a diversity of stories. Yep. And they're telling these stories in you know, Alabama and Mississippi and Virginia and mm -hmm. North Carolina and West Virginia and Kentucky. You're, you're seeing that and, and they're telling these stories because these areas are very often economically disadvantaged. Yes. Um, you have people sort of just struggling to hold on to what little they have and they're fighting back against you know, really just, you know, decades and decades of, of tradition. There's, 
you don't you don't have that that influx of change in rural communities in in Kentucky or North Carolina that you have in New York or Los Angeles or Boston. Um, and but they're still having to address a changing world. And so it's it's really it's a fascinating time to be writing in this genre and to see the way that uh, writers are addressing it. And for this reader, that's very important because I really do like the diversity of it. I, it to me, it gives me something to sink my teeth into. And it also gives me like you're writing about West Virginia. So I feel like I, even though I've been to West Virginia, I feel like I'm seeing another part of it that I didn't experience. And so in the hands of a good writer, what we get is exactly the experience of that region. And I think it's important for us. It, it is, it, you know, I, uh, I think the, the authenticity, authenticity and voice and experience is really, uh, really incredibly important. And it's why I think most of us who write, uh, who write rural fiction, uh, we value that. We, we know the, the importance of, of that of, and, and of being able to tell that authentic story. Um, so you're working, are you currently working on something? I mean, I assume all writers are always currently working on something, but- We're always but, working on something all the time. <laughs> even uh, yeah, even so, if it's doodling on a napkin, I get it. So, exactly, so exactly. For yours, you said you might have some standalones coming up. Or are you actively working on one that has taken shape or is that just something on background? So right now I'm working on a final draft of a, of a book that takes place uh, during the bicent the week of the bicentennial, nineteen seventy six. All right, in a small town in eastern Kentucky. And All right, then. so uh, that one's done, and I'll be uh, putting some final touches on that here through December. Um, I have a story coming out. Uh, I'm still I'm, I'm constantly probably I like short fit writing a lot of short fiction. Um, uh, and short fiction very often becomes my, uh, what I write in between like drafts of longer stuff. And my friend Lori Raider Day looked at me once and she goes, so your reward for writing is more writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm weird that way. Thanks. Um, I've got a short story coming up in Ellery Queen mystery magazine called a tear in his hand. That okay. is, uh, Appalachian. Uh, it's about brothers. It's about all the stuff that I love writing about, uh, family, violence, cast iron skillets. Um, you know, grits, first, grit, grit and grits. I got exactly. it. Exactly. I got uh, it. <laughs> my first, it, it will be out. Uh, it's in the January, February issue of Ellery Queen. It's my first time in those pages. No oh, good. I'm, Congratulations. I'm thrilled Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I subscribed to that. So I'm looking forward to it. And I also have a story, uh, th th this story means a lot to me. This story is uh, fairly important. Uh, I have a story called Haggling Over Price that's in an upcoming anthology called The 1% okay. that comes from Rock in a Hard Place magazine. Mm -hmm. And this is a story all about, this is a uh, anthology that's about the abuse of power and wealth in America. And so uh, I chose to write about uh, the NRA, the Second Amendment, and gun fetishization. <clears throat> 
just make sure you don't publish your address. Be good. <laughs> I, I, I have said that one way or another, this story will piss you off. <laughs> and if it does, then I've done my job. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think Curtis is in this episode as well, right? Curtis, Curtis is in there. Uh, Sam uh, Weeby. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's a writer up in Canada. It's it's just it's it's a great anthology, rock and hard places, a wonderful magazine. They always put together uh, really great editions. They had a wonderful anthology two years ago that S.A. Cosby uh, edit, uh, edited uh, okay. under the thumb, which was okay. about yeah. suppression. Yeah. And that yeah. one picked up. That one had picked up uh, an Anthony nomination also. So you know, fingers crossed on this one. I hope you best of luck. Do you have a website or social media you would like to share? I am all over uh, social media. I am on Blue Sky, Threads, Facebook, whatever whatever ketamine trip Elon Musk is on right now. <laughs> uh, and you can find me at James D.F. Hanna. And my website is uh, jamesdfhanna.com. There's a sign up for my uh, newsletter there. Uh, which I put out once a month, once every couple of weeks, whenever something interesting. It's it's uh, frequent enough that uh, you don't get bored and often enough that I don't get bored there or something go. like that. <laughs> I uh, love it. <laughs> That's absolutely wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you joining me. This has been so much fun. And I'm looking forward to all the success of Because the Night and all the other projects as well. Thank you so much, James. Thanks so much, Dan. Hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out with Dan. <laughs>